You're listening to the Sportsman's Nation Podcast Network brought to you by Go Wild. Now, what is Go Wild? Go Wild is the fastest growing and most active app for hunters, anglers, and outdoor enthusiasts. There's literally thousands of people joining a week. And unlike most major social media platforms that have strict anti-hunting and anti-firearm policies, that's not the case with uh, Go Wild. Now, Go Wild was designed for hunters, anglers, and outdoor enthusiasts by hunters and anglers and outdoor enthusiasts. So that's where you're going to get the connection. The first thing we want you to do is go to wherever you download your apps for your smartphone, search for Go Wild, download it, play around with it, and then let us know what you think. Welcome to this week's episode of the Southern Ground Hunting Podcast. I am your host, Parker McDonald. I'm really excited to bring you this episode because today we are talking with Ben Harrison of Tennessee. We're going to talk about how he was able to seal the deal on a great buck on the first ever Tennessee Velvet Hunt. You guys stay tuned. I think you're going to enjoy it. good to be with you guys here today and I'm also pretty pumped up because I have got one of probably if not the most popular one of the most popular guests that we've had on the show so far is going to co-host with me Mr. Brad Luttrell from Go Wild how you doing buddy thank you sir I'm doing well dude I am pumped to have you here Thanks, man. It, it's going to be brief, but so we'll have to make the most of it. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. I know probably a lot of people heard your voice and they were like, man, I wish he could just, why don't he just host this show? Or, or they just turned off the podcast. They're like, not him again. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's, <laughs> that's probably not possible. But um, uh, but if you guys, if y'all like Brad that much, he also has a podcast of his own called The Restless Native, which is a great show. We, you can uh, get this for 26 episodes if you want to. Heck yeah, man. Heck yeah. <laughs> but no, no, Brad uh, Brad came on the show not too terribly long ago, talked about uh, Go Wild and some of the cool stuff that they're doing. And so um, we're going to be doing a really cool giveaway with, with Go Wild here, and we're going to announce it on this episode here in just a second. But first, dude, Brad, are you pumped up about the season or what? Dude, I'm out of my mind, and I haven't even gotten to do as much prep as I normally do, just because I've been so busy with a little little new baby, and I've got go wild on my hands. But uh, I am freaking pumped out of my mind, especially seeing all the content that's coming through. Like I'm one of um one of my buddies, Jonathan Metcalf, just harvested his first elk after four years of pursuit. So stuff like that's just getting me jacked out of my mind for this season. Oh man, dude, I totally understand. We are talking with a guy today about a velvet buck that he killed in Tennessee this past weekend on the velvet hunt. Did you hear about that? I didn't. You, you, I'd like to, I, I'm going to have to check out the episode so I can, can hear about it. Heck yeah, man. We haven't actually recorded it. We're, uh, we're doing that, uh, a few hours actually. So, I'm pretty pumped up, man, but uh, we're going to be in your neck of the woods, probably... Right. Uh, what day are we going? We're going... I'm going on Sunday, so not very not very long from now. No, the, the countdown is on. Heck yeah, man. I'm so pumped up about it. I can't hardly stand it. I can't think about anything else right now. Yeah. Um, 
other it's a other great, than the, great place to be heck yeah dude it, what what's y'all state motto and i'll use that as a hashtag while we're on the trip uh dude i don't even know them i mean the motto we're the bluegrass state if okay. that if that weren't i don't know what the state motto is do, do states have taglines i guess they do uh what are the I'm trying to think what used to be on the license plates. I can't even think of it. It's just the bluegrass state. I have no idea. (laughs) (laughs) I I don't know. But, man, we are so pumped up about going. Um, And I'm... Oh, I'm... Dude, I'm stupid. Uh, It's united we stand, divided we fall. God, they beat that into you in grade school. How did I forget that? Yeah, you probably... Did y'all have, like, a pledge that you had to say when you were in in school? Well, well, we did the Pledge of Allegiance. I don't remember if there was one of for Kentucky, but that like that was so. I'm surprised that's not tattooed on my body somewhere. It was so beaten into us. <laughs> that's awesome. I went to a like I, Christian school growing I, up, and we had to say uh, the pledge to the Christian flag. Oh uh, so. yeah, yeah. I did. I did that in like uh, Bible school and stuff growing up. But I mean, uh, the United We Stand, Divided We Fall was like I remember doing coloring sheets with that on there. Uh, so <laughs> I don't know. Kentucky must really like burn it into people so we're trying it's a recruitment or a retainment tactic we're trying to keep our talent in state that's what it is yeah yeah that's awesome (laughs) that's awesome but man we're super pumped about getting up there but before we get into the giveaway with go wild i want to first say a quick thank you to our other partners of the southern ground hunting podcast we have got new breed which we announced last week that is come on board with the southern ground crew and we are pumped up about that we got our new bows dialed in and ready to hit kentucky pretty dang hard and uh i'm, I'm pumped up about that so thanks to the new new breed guys um as as always onyx maps those guys are just crushing it in the map game do you use onyx at all brad Man, I haven't needed it yet. I mean, I've, I've been, I, I hunted public land before when I didn't know about Onyx and it would have been handy there. But uh, since over the last few years, I've been hunting uh, private farms that my dad's gotten access to. And it's just like very clear where the property lines are. And um, I feel like a lot of the Eastern states, if you're on private, maybe not. I know there are some benefits to it there, but uh, I haven't needed it. For sure. Yeah. I it's mean, definitely a cool product, though. I love what they're what those guys are doing. Yeah. The I'm, data that they, they've pulled in is really great. Heck yeah, dude. They're uh, they're making waves in that in the industry, too. They're coming out with new stuff just about every week, it seems like. And uh, and so we're super, super pumped to have them on board. And the tethered guys, Mr. Greg Godfrey, um, man. Every time I get on Facebook, Instagram, somebody's talking about their new Predator platform. Have you heard about that stuff? No, man. Give me, give me your selling. You get, sell it to me right now. This is okay. an ad, right? So All let right. me know. So basically, um, these saddles are the lightest weight saddles for hunting on the market right now. And they have their own. The, the brand is Tethered. And they're partners of this show, and they have their own platforms that you can use for saddle saddle hunting. And they also have the actual saddle, and basically, you order it online, and you're ready to go. Like, you you, you got everything you need when you order from them, and um, I'm super pumped to have that. They actually had some safety testing issues that took a long time, and so, you know, uh, we haven't got it yet. And But people have gotten their Predator platform already, which is pretty cool. Nice. So... Big shout out, huge thanks to the guys at Tethered. Um, now, Go Wild, which is what Brad's life 
is all about. We are going to do a huge giveaway with Go Wild starting this week with this podcast. So I'm going to let Brad kind of explain how that's going to go. Sure. Well, let's back up for just a second. So the Go Wild platform, you log time for what you're doing, right? Yep. And all of this is building credibility because we don't care about your following. We want to see people that are out there doing it. And that's putting in the prep work, actually going out and hunting, tagging your trophies. Well, one of those things that we consider prep work are outdoors podcasts. You know, I listen to them to learn. I, I find people that I can learn from whether that's as host like the gritty bowman or people that have fantastic guests that's you know i see a lot of stuff coming from your show cable smith with lone star outdoors ben o'brien with the hunting collective and these are people that are pulling together uh, a lot of people that know more than i do for sure and i get to listen to those and learn so we noticed that this was happening a lot within our app and that people were logging their hunting prep as podcasts so we said well heck let's give people a place to be able to put their their podcast in and so we have a feature that you can actually log your podcast in go wild and it counts towards your score so because that's actual prep work you're doing for hunting season right now i guarantee you guys are burning up mark kenyon you know wired to hunt because he's one of the greatest uh whitetail podcasters out there so when you're when you're listening to wired to hunt southern ground whatever the show is go to go wild and you can uh select uh to log time type in the outdoor select outdoor podcast and then if you're on iphone you can actually type in the show and it'll do the work for you pulling in the artwork pulling in the name that's going to roll out to android here in the next couple weeks but if it's on android you just type in the show you can put how many minutes you listen to it and that lets you kind of join the conversation with these podcasts and happen in real time and people can discuss these shows you can learn about other shows which is really cool um so so that uh through this month anybody that logs time for southern uh, southern ground the podcast uh will, will be entered to win a hundred dollar credit towards in our store towards shirts or decals and actually we'll throw in the tack bags too so uh in, anything you want in our store hundred dollar credit and um we're gonna draw that randomly at the end of september is that right yeah yeah the end yeah. of september so you got a month and the beauty of this is how many shows are you gonna do in september it'll be two so we do two. every other week and uh so, well so, I have actually I think September has five weeks, so there you go. I'm not so, exactly sure how many. <laughs> so but you're gonna honest. have two or three shows. Yep. And if you if you're behind on Southern Ground or if you haven't logged certain shows, you can go back in and log them. And every time you log a Southern Ground show, uh, tag Parker and that's uh, Parker McDonald or there's a Southern Ground show and or if you're on the iPhone it'll just pull it in automatically we're going to search for all that all the variations all you got to do is put the show on Go Wild tell us what you liked about the show um, it'd be great if you told us you heard this ad that's just cool for us to see uh, where stuff's coming from but either way all you got to do is mention Parker or mention Southern Ground and we'll find you and get you entered into this contest and um, you know we're going to do a random drawing for that $100 credit shoot ya and so here's another thing that we're going to be doing um we are going to throw in southern ground is going to throw in a premium membership to the person who wins this giveaway for onyx maps um so that's just a little bit more uh you got about i don't know 100 and 140 dollars worth of cool stuff that you'll get with this giveaway which is pretty awesome man and um and i'm pretty pumped up about it i think Man, if somebody if somebody just wants an easy way to win some free crap, this is going to be the way to do it. Because that's mean, right, man. That's why right. not? 
you know, so well, you already listened to podcasts. You might as well. You're obviously you're here. You're listening to an advertisement right now. So you're really pumped about podcasts. <laughs> so you might as well go in, log it in your Go Wild account and get and have a chance at a giveaway. You know, uh, the while they're there, they should go ahead and enter our other giveaways, too. I mean, we're giving away all kinds of awesome stuff every week. We just gave away a bow this week. It's a uh, Upland vest from Alps Outdoors. I mean, there's all kinds of sweet yeah. stuff. Up, Didn't you just so give t- away a, uh, a trip to Texas? Yeah, we did. We uh, somebody uh, Jared Smith, I think, is his uh, last name. He's going to Texas with us for, with Jeremiah Dowdy so, from Field to Plate. So uh, I've got another sweet trip like that coming up. We'll announce that here soon. But man, it's just we have so much cool stuff going on, and all you gotta do is use the platform. Like yeah. everybody else is trying, trying. Hey, buy X amount of our product or whatever. Like no, just come in, enter the giveaways. There's cool stuff launching every Sunday on our platform. Shoot, yeah, man. Like I don't know and, why anybody wouldn't. Wouldn't want to do that. I don't that. know either, man. And, I don't know either. And here's the cool thing, guys, is if you enter this, then maybe next time me and Brad talk about the advertisement through Southern Ground, just maybe he will pay me more money. That'd be cool, right? <laughs> right. That's right. I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. Man, Brad. Wait, wait. I didn't know I had to pay for this. Oh, crap. I guess I should <laughs> I guess okay. I should send you that email. It's probably sitting oh, in, my, okay. in my draft folder. Oh, okay. <laughs> but, dude... <laughs> Before we, are you done? Are, are we done with this part? I guess so. I, I'm done with it. Like, like I oh, said, a hundred dollars, a hundred dollar uh, giveaway through Go Wild plus an Onyx membership. If you just tag me, tag at Parker McDonald on Go Wild or um, at Southern Ground on Go Wild, and you will be entered to win. It's gonna be cool stuff. But I want to tell a funny story. I told you already, Brad. Oh, um, yes, please. <laughs> but. I actually kind of used you as kind of a, a bouncing board for this because I didn't know if I really wanted to share it on the podcast. Oh, you do. You do. But I definitely want to share it. <laughs> okay. So um, this week has been a pretty crazy week already, and we're recording on a Monday, so it's just the beginning of the week. Um, so we've got these. I live way out in the country in Alabama, like rural Alabama, right? And I... <laughs> There's a bunch of foxes that live around here, and if you if you follow us on my, follow us on Instagram, you'll see on my stories, you'll know exactly what happened. But um, you mean real foxes, not like attractive women, right? Yeah, yeah. There's only one attractive woman that lives here, and it's my wife, that's, and she's in the. That's other right. Room. Good answer. So, yeah, I would never do to my wife what I did to this fox. <laughs> um, so foxes are predators. They're varmints. They get into stuff. They're wild animals. They're cool to watch. Really cool critters. I actually, I have a huge tattoo of one on that goes from my shin all the way up to my thigh. Like it's a big fox tattoo, right? I have nothing against foxes, but I took a video of this fox. There's like six or seven of them around here. And I took a video of one eating a cat, right? Eating a kitten. It was dead in its mouth. I took a video of one. And then, um, I also do like some of my own European taxidermy like european mounts and stuff and so i got some heads in the yard and um so these foxes came into our yard the other day and i shot one uh after all that stuff i've watched them several times so like not 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 shot as in video right no that would be the neighbor that was shooting them on video while i shot it but you mean like he did (laughs) yeah he he died (laughs) so so i shoot this fox my neighbor immediately when i shoot this fox my neighbor's kids or his grandkids said, why did he shoot that fox? And I heard it, like, right right after I shot. And I felt terrible about that part. Like, like, come on, dude, teach your kid about hunting and stuff. You live in the country. Anyway, so there's a neighbor that also feeds them, right? And uh, 
he heard about it, sent me. He tried to come to my house and confront me about it. I ended up calling him. So today I dug up the fox because he wanted it, because he wanted to give the fox a funeral. A proper burial. A proper burial. And so, dude, talk about an awkward conversation. But, um, dude, they were, like, bashing me and my wife on Facebook, like, saying all kinds of, like, what kind of sick, demented moron, blah, blah, blah. So let's... It was an awkward conversation uh, today that we had. So I don't, I don't even know where that story. It really wasn't a segue into anything, but I just felt like listeners should know the story. Um, what are your thoughts, though, Brad? I want to know. You're a guy who is fairly, you know, I, I think you said you're you're fairly new to hunting. You're kind of a uh, an adult. You've been an adult onset hunter. Yeah, as far I, I got as, more into it in my adult life for sure. Yeah. So, so coming from a guy like you, you deal with um, people that are come from different walks of life probably more than a lot of people and what what are your thoughts on that how do you feel about it let let me back up and say i'm an adult hunter but like from some of my earliest memories with my cousins uh like shooting guns like i shot my first gun at six i remember my cousins had a competition to see who could shoot like the most rats in the chicken coop and like i've seen dogs put down old yeller style like it's (laughs) so i i I grew up around all that. <laughs> so like when you told me this at first, I'm like, well, yeah, of course you shot the fox. You're on a farm. Like, yeah, I get all that. But I also like it, funny enough, go wild has brought me into the perspective of people that don't get that. And I mean, I've been around it. Some just been in the professional workplace in a city of uh, people that have never been like somebody shoots a coyote and they're, they're complaining about it at work. And I'm like, well, yeah, but and so my, I don't, my, uh, per, my opinion on that matter is that, you you probably uh, gave those kids a memory that will stick with them for a while, but hopefully it created conversation. And it probably didn't because of the, the grandparents. Like to him, he's already vilified you as like the bad hunter. But my hope is like there's some lesson in there of like this is there's life and death, you know, and it's like that was a nuisance. Animal. He killed a kitten. Come on. Yeah. And I have it on video. Yeah, like that's what I want to know is like the kitten died. Do these kids know that the kitten died? Does the dude know that like it was <laughs> eating somebody's pet? I I do not know if they know that actually or not. I have debated on sending it to him. Yeah, totally. Um, Post it on their Facebook page. <laughs> <laughs> so so what you're saying is is you don't think it's a good idea for me to find a DVD of the Fox and the Hound and put it on their doorstep. No, I wouldn't do that. Don't, don't, don't incite, uh, educate. <laughs> yeah. I, uh, I would, I would never do something like that, but man, there is, but been that's some, funny. There has been some thoughts that came into my mind. <laughs> Listen, man, there's those situations come up and there's, there's always conversations we can have internally in a dialogue like this, that, you know, everybody listening to your show is going to get it. They understand the, uh, the nuisance animals and, and that they have to be dealt with sometimes. Um, and then there's times to not to not have that kind of conversation. And I, I think uh, the Fox and the Hound, you know, DVD might be a little bit over the top. Uh, but, you know, I it's funny. I saw um, a guy was sharing um, something about it was a story about vegans and how um, how they've used uh, their their lifestyle and uh, jumping off a platform like as an anti kill and like how it's better for the environment not to eat cows and all this stuff and like 
it, it's kind of like living in total ignorance when I read through this whole story. It was talking about how, like, actually, you know, it's not like raising. You're still mass agriculture here. You're still having to raise all these grains. You're still it's the same, like, environmentally, the same problems there. Uh, but I think of a lot of conversations I've had with vegans, or not vegans, but like, not even vegans, um, vegetarians, or you know, animal rights activists who still eat burgers, which I don't understand, but I can tolerate. <laughs> um, but there's just a lot of ignorance happens in those conversations. And I, it, it, what you, when you told me that and like you, you told me first that it had eaten a kitten and I'm like, I don't see the problem here. I mean, it's literally eating neighborhood pets. It seems like it's a good decision. So, uh, but it, you know, people turn a blind eye to that. So if you told me that they did know that it ate a kitten and still didn't want you to shoot it, I would not be surprised at all. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I, I actually, when I took the, the Fox today to his funeral, I, um, I asked the neighbor if he if he wanted to see the video because I had a video of it eating a kitten. He was like, "Oh no, I don't I don't really care to see that." So, I mean, that kind of tells you yeah. his opinion on it. So, yeah, it's neither here nor there. It happened. Hopefully, we're getting over it. I'm hoping I made the right move doing it by giving it to him anyway because I didn't want to give it to him. I'll be honest with you. I wanted to skin it out and get the pelt because it was a it was a red fox, and yeah. and I've always wanted to have one of those a pelt of it. So. Um, but didn't do it, gave it back to them. Hopefully they did the right thing. Maybe they won't, you know, forever see me as the big bad hunter, even though they probably will. Um, but, I'm you know. I'm trying to think if you did the right thing or not. I have no idea. That's a good question. Yeah, I'm I'm kind of at a loss. I don't really know what, I don't know what the right thing is, to be honest with you. But um, I did the best thing that I knew to do, which was just, you know, be kind to him, be nice to him, maybe He'll see that hunters aren't bad people, you know. They're that's all you can do, man. Is just hope that that uh, transaction of you handing off the fox. He's like, you know what, man? Once he told me about that kitten thing, I, I kind of see where he's coming from. Yeah, I hope so, and I really hope he takes the what kind of moron, blah blah blah, off of Facebook. <laughs> <laughs> no, he's not. He he's probably gonna double down. <laughs> yeah, de- definitely not happening. Yeah. Uh, but dude, yeah. So man, I am pumped that you got to come on the show. We've been going. This is probably going to be a record intro. But I mean, I think so. I have no idea how long we've been talking. I kind of forgot that we weren't actually doing a podcast. Yeah, <laughs> we're at we're at twenty <laughs> twenty minutes and thirty seconds. So. This beats any. This is like twice uh, Joe Rogan status on the ads. So Heck yeah, <laughs> yeah, that's awesome. You might as man. well just put me as a guest at this point. <laughs> yeah, yeah. This is going to be a Tennessee Velvet Bucks and fo- neighborhood. Fo- boxes with brad yeah, latrell that's right uh, well, but, well since you're having a tennessee guy on before we get to him i'm gonna say go cats Wildcats, not house cats all right dude got that i grew up on the state line and i didn't everybody talks about the kentucky uh louisville rivalry and like i didn't give a crap about that growing up because i grew up on the uh, kentucky tennessee state line and it was all uh, orange and blue so <laughs> go big blue nation heck yeah that should just be how i end the intro but, there we go. But it's not going to be because I am going to segue right now. We've got a really cool episode with uh, my dude, Mr. Ben Harrison, is going to be on talking about a giant buck that he killed in Tennessee this past weekend. It's going to be awesome. And my phone's making ding noises right now. That's all right. Actually, Roll with it. Yep. There it is, you know. So it, my, my phone just did the text voice thing, and it says, sounds make a ding, or is it right now? <laughs> I don't know what that means. That's what my phone just thinks I said. But see, this is why I don't like these things listening to me all the time. I don't either, man. I get like ads from things just because. Oh, literally, dude. we said hot pocket the other day in our house. We don't even eat hot pockets. We said hot pocket. It showed up on my wife's ads on her Facebook. Dude, I, uh, I, I the other day 
I I don't I don't know if this is going in the ad or if this is getting cut out or whatever, but I'll tell you the uh, I was sitting with my buddy and he's telling me how he went diamond shopping with his brother. And he tells me about this new way you can buy diamonds for engagement rings. Now, mind you, I've been married for eight years. I have taken no action to research anything. I, I was in digital marketing. I understand how like targeting people because they search for something and all that works. He sits there and tells me about this new thing I've never heard of, this brand of diamond thing you can do online with some company. And I've never heard of it, never done anything to, to get an ad served to me. Within 24 hours, that very company is targeting me for an advertisement. Now that's like a whole new level of creepy right there. <laughs> they know. This I, just... oh, I deleted that app yep. that was server. Yeah, it was it was freaking me out. I don't want anybody with access to my microphone. All right, so things we learned in this intro is, number one, um, don't talk about things you don't want the man, Big Brother, to know about. Number two, Go Wild is awesome, and we're doing a sweet giveaway with them. We're going to get some cool stuff. We're going to give away 100 bucks worth of stuff. We're giving away an Onyx membership from Southern Ground that's going to be going into that. Um, and don't shoot neighborhood foxes. Does that sound good? Uh, I would. I was just going to say foxes are savages. Okay. Yeah. So, <laughs> <laughs> that's a good way. That's a good, that's a good way to go out on this thing. So let's get to this episode with Mr. Ben Harrison talking about his Tennessee Velvet Buck. All right, guys, welcome. Oh, man, I just like knocked my mic all over the place. Uh, <laughs> welcome to the Southern Ground Hunting Podcast. It is um, my pleasure to introduce a Indiana. Pro- you know what? I think this is our first time to ever have a northerner on the Southern Ground Hunting Podcast. But hey. Hey, I'm, hey, I'm Southern by the grace of God. I'm, I live up here. I, I live up here, but I'm definitely a Tennessean. But that's okay. I won't hold that against you. Yeah, that's awesome, man. That's great. No, this is uh, we've got Ben Harrison on the line, and today we are going to talk about Ben's pretty freaking awesome weekend that he had this weekend um, in in Tennessee. Man, how was that? Was that like the best, the coolest thing ever? Uh, I tell you what, uh, it's gonna be hard to top, uh, especially for you know a kind of a surprise hunt kind of deal, and, and yeah. you know, kind of got thrown on us. Yeah, <laughs> it'd be tough to top that one. Yeah, man, that's 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 pretty cool. So, so you're from Tennessee originally, right? Like you're mm-hmm. you're born and raised. Is that right? Yep, born and raised uh, uh, outside in between Adams and Clarksville, Tennessee. Okay. Yep. Okay. So that that's why you don't have a, a Yankee accent or anything. So that's good. Right. You know, if if that's honestly, I never get one. Yeah, no kidding. <laughs> honestly, if you would have picked up the phone and I would have heard a Yankee accent, it would have been a little bit difficult for me to air this episode. <laughs> good deal. Uh, ben, could you tell us a little bit about kind of what you do for a living and uh, and in your background and how you got started hunting? Yeah. So. Uh, yeah, I'm in insurance sales. I've I've done that since I got out of college. It's been a it's been a good career. I get to work with a lot of people, and um, and I'm I'm currently working in an insurance office. And it's it's I got a I've got a really understanding boss, and that's something that uh, when when I interviewed for the job when we moved up here, we actually moved up here. Uh, my wife got a job out of college, and um, we moved up here, and and I interviewed for the job, and. I told him, I said, man, I really don't like working in November. And uh, 
he said, well, I understand that. I, I'm a big deer hunter. I said, okay, we, we're on an understanding. And he gives me a lot of time off, and um, I work my tail off for him when I'm, you know, when I'm at work. So, so you're saying that's all good. a guy has to do is just tell their boss, hey, you know, I really don't like working in November, and they, that should work? Is that kind of what you're saying? Uh, you can uh, – everybody can try that. Uh, and, but I would, I would recommend, uh, proving yourself and, and, and knowing what you're doing and <laughs> you have to know your limitations, obviously. I mean, it was, he was in a unique position and you need another sales guy and that, and I was, I was the one he needed. So, uh, yeah, but yeah, it definitely, it worked out for me. So, you know, if it worked out for me, I guess I don't see why it wouldn't work out for everybody else. But, That's awesome. Um, yeah, but we, we moved up here, um, uh, three years ago and i really enjoyed the area you know so is there um, any have you have you run into any vols fans while you've been out there i haven't uh you know and that's the thing uh there you know you talk to them and uh, you talk i talk to you about sports about i live actually live in bloomington and uh i use here and they're all about their iu basketball football is not a big deal so uh, i don't really even know if they know we're what a ball is <laughs> a lot of them so it's uh it, but yeah that's uh a lot of my friends still come you know they actually see them more during deer season uh now because uh will come up and stay with me and i'll be here you know about two or three week period i have a lot of friends that come up that's awesome man i'm trying to find a friend in indiana so if you if you know of anybody, <laughs> well, you play your cards right. I know, if, I know a few people may give you right up here. Fantastic, um, but uh, yeah, yeah. So, you gotta, hey. so you do all of your hunting there in Indiana. I think you told me it's on public land, correct? Yes. Yeah, I'd say ninety-five percent is. I mean, I got a few small places, but you know, on private. But those are mo- mostly. You know, I'll run some cams there. Uh, some jump in spots, uh, but the private places that I do have are pressured so hard. Um, I don't care where where you're living at. I mean, if you get a lot of pressure, uh, you know, I, I've never had any luck with that. So, let, you know, I know we were talking about Indiana and public land, but I really, really, really want to dive into into this story this buck how did this all come about from so from the moment you heard about the tennessee velvet hunt what what was going through your mind what happened in that well uh fortunately uh when when we heard about it i mean it, it kind of blindsided i mean it really blindsided a lot of people including game wardens and other people they didn't even know it was a thing uh and when it was announced, I did me being up here, I didn't have off the opportunity really to get any plots in. I mean, I really didn't have time to really get prepared for it. But fortunately, I had started this process on this farm we hunt. It's it's a about four hundred fifty acres, and, and you know, that's substantial size. But um, you know, but there's a few guys that are on it. You know, they're they're hunting and and. I had set out, uh, I've started 11 mineral sites uh, two years ago, and I've kept them up, and, and it's, you know, you say, well, that's kind of excessive. You know, I, it seems excessive to me, you know, just like, why would you, you know, if you look at my Google Maps, and it's just pins everywhere, you know, just cover, trying to cover every 
main travel route or every, you know, main ridge point or, you know, just whatever, just pockets and inside corners and all kinds of stuff. But, uh, but having doing that, I had, I basically had a plan at that point, you know, saturate the areas with cams, you know, get, you know, get them out there. I got all my cams out in June and I did not check them until two weeks prior to the hunt. Wow. And the reason for that, I didn't, you know, that data is irrelevant to me because I need to have, you know, my, my buddy Matt and, and if I mention him again, he's, he's the best hunter out of our group and my friends and stuff. I mean, he's got more big gear than all my friends and me, myself included, put together. I mean, he's, he knows the stuff. His woodmanship's just over the top and he just, he just knows how to, how to do it, get it done. But anyway, uh, come back to that I, I saturated with cans and then you know i went and checked them and i found it was pretty disappointing i found two deer that i would shoot <laughs> out of you know on this 450 acre parcel you know and uh and they were in two completely different areas so it wasn't like you know i just go to this you know this one area and i've got you know i could shoot one of the two no that's not you know the case and uh so, you know, I said, okay, well, you know, it's kind of, it is what it is. And, and, and I've got another friend, he actually hunts the two farms on each, you know, two farms on each side of me on, on each side of the 450 acres. And, and, uh, he's been an integral part to me shooting anything too, because I'm not down there, yeah. you know, like, I don't know, you know, so, uh, so we share everything freely. You know, I, I, I went and when I got down there, uh, uh, Thursday night, because uh, the hunt started on a Friday. When I got down there, it's like eleven o'clock p.m. And uh, I was talking to my buddy Matt about it, and uh, I was like, "Man, I don't do I need to check cams and tomorrow at lunchtime?" What do you? And we we're talking, and he made a good point. He said, "The way deer are right now, you're risking, even though you're stepping ten foot into the woods off the fence, you're risking bumping that deer." Mm. because they, you know there's so much covered right now i mean this is totally it's a totally new ballpark we're not this time of year we're normally riding around glassing bean fields and just you know living the pipe dream kind of thing you know i'm saying like oh i can't wait you know this ha- happens so that's a um, that's an interesting part of this whole thing is like um and, and for anybody who doesn't know about the tennessee velvet hunt um tennessee did this three day right it was friday friday through sunday was that right right tennessee did this velvet buck hunt friday through a sunday and then there and then the tennessee season closed back again until normal normal times and so um this is kind of an interesting opportunity and kind of going with what you were talking about the way the deer are now it's a totally different animal almost you're you're hitting their Mm -hmm. summer patterns that you're just otherwise not really going to see and I mean, I just started seeing any signs of scrapes and, and, you know, hearing about people who have got mock scrapes set up and stuff like that. Um, and it's not normal to get to hunt deer while they're that way. And so, and then aside from that, there's only a few States you can actually kill a deer in velvet in. And so like, right. this is just a, it's a cool opportunity and it was only on private land. So you couldn't do it mm-hmm. on public land. Otherwise, otherwise I'd be I'd have been in Tennessee this weekend. <laughs> You've been making a road trip. Yeah, yeah. I'm only I'm only heck uh, an hour away from the Tennessee line, so um, okay. I'd have been there. But 
Um, so that's kind of a little, we didn't really explain what it was for anybody who might not know. Um, but that's, I mean, it's just an interesting thing and it's so different from, I mean, you don't really hear of the government or the state saying, yeah, sure. We'll give you, we'll give you an extra three days. Opportunity. That's cool, man. And I would, would, I'd say that we're going to see more states follow that lead. Yeah. Um, I don't see how they couldn't because I would, I bet license sales and, you know, bow purchases and, uh, you know, everything kind of just jumped up because, you know, most of the time people in our area, you know, very I'm from parcel area, middle Tennessee, they go to Kentucky Mm -hmm. to kill their velvet deer. Now they may have a 50 acre farm or a hundred acre farm that they have permission on, but they probably, you know, they may not even hunt that. They may just hunt predominantly hunt Kentucky. Well, guess what? You can hunt a, a week earlier in Tennessee. Yeah. Where you're going to absolutely do it. And it's, it's, you know, and you, and that's even our group in general, like our group, I mean, we had uh, Matt's uncle came down from Ohio. Uh, a good, a good friend of ours uh, came down from Kentucky. <laughs> So you're bringing money into the state yeah. when you do that. I mean, you're, I mean, those two, the, neither one of those guys would have been in Tennessee that weekend. So you're just creating an opportunity, and that's the same thing with fishing tournaments and everything else. If you have an opportunity to bring people into your town or state, you need to do it. Yeah. Um, so I mean, that's that's where I, you know, this economic benefit I can see. And we were all going, you know, so. And it's but, like it's uh, it's around three hundred dollars, right, for an out of state Kentucky or a Tennessee license. And except for except for me, okay, because I'm a native Tennessean. Okay, I think that's, that's interesting. Start, and that's oh, it's it's been Tennessee, Tennessee hunting for me has drastically improved, and this is something that goes back to Tennessee trying to. They are doing things, and they are listening to hunters, and they're looking at the economic benefits. And obviously, because you know, I have to drive from uh, you know uh, you know a, a Midwest state through one of the top states <laughs> in the nation to hunt in now to get to Tennessee. Yeah, and you know what's going to entice me to do that? Well, they're bringing people back. That were born in Tennessee. If you're born in Tennessee, you can you can pay you can get a native Tennessee license and pay resident rates. So that's insane. Now I, yeah, and that's the thing. Like what you know, you know, I could have spent that. You know, you know the money. You know, and it's not that it's really not that much money when you think about it. If you go multiple times, you know, it spreads out over a mm-hmm. big time you know timeline. But I could have spent that money in Illinois. Yeah. But I did, and I, you know, I, you know, I, I didn't have to. I, I didn't spend three hundred bucks on tag. I, you know, and I bought my my tag, and I use them. But, um, but yeah, that's that's you know something. I, you know, I've seen. I've been personally affected by you know two things. I mean, in the last couple of years that have been awesome for me. I mean, I, I'm thankful for it. That's. I mean, that sounds uh that sounds pretty cool. I, I'm from Texas originally, and I feel like Texas. Uh, keeps going up and up and up and up on their out on their non-resident license. So I can't go back home for a few days during November, which I will be. Um, I can't get a, a deer license for it's like it's like over three hundred dollars. And so, mm. man, I'm that's I wish more states would follow in line with 
Tennessee on that kind of stuff because it seems like you know they're they're really listening to hunters like you were saying. Um, so mm-hmm. so I interrupted you with that, but um, I really think that's kind of an important thing when we're talking about this velvet hunt. Um, so you got there, you were going to check the cameras, and you know, knowing kind of how the deer behavior is this time of year, you decided that probably wasn't a good idea. Uh, actually, uh, we decided, uh, yeah, because we decided not to go in there, you know, midday. So he's like, you need to check him tonight. Okay. I was driving down. I was like, okay. And it, it makes perfect sense. Cause mm-hmm. the thing is you're not going, and that, that I kind of, it, it kind of changed like kind of a philosophy of mine anyway. I'll go in there and check a trail camera at midnight. And that's what we did. I, mean, I actually met up with my buddy Tyler, and he he, he went with me, and uh, he helped me open gates and you know, <laughs> stuff like that. But but uh, we went around, and I pulled all all all, all my cams because I was needing the cams anyway for up here in Indiana anyway, and uh, pulled them all. And it was I was getting the uh, I called the buck. I ended up getting I called him Blades just because his twos are just so bladed they're like two and a half three inches wide yeah. i mean it's crazy look I and mean, it's hard to photograph a deer like that well but when you walk up to him you're like yep i mean that's that's it you know uh and the, the there was another buck about 125 inch nine pointer that i, I was would been happy to get and but i got them all on camera but i didn't have a picture of either one of them within the last six seven days okay so and this is something you know and it's the thing like i think you learn bits and pieces even more more sample points you have out there you know more cams you have out there more you can learn more and then that's what's great about these podcasts because you can learn from people that have done stuff and like, oh i'm gonna try this but my guess is and this is kind of some things i've seen from some guys on facebook and stuff they kind of got shut off on the mineral a little bit you know they kind of mm-hmm. they you know their mineral you know peak mineral for me is like the 10th of august through the 15th i mean that's the m- most mineral pictures i'm gonna get of, of a buck and then they they just start dropping because i guess the body's not needing certain things and something else i kind of like throw in there that, that i noticed when um if food if their food choices you know the food source changes at all it can change that because then, you know, now they're not going to that mineral and then going to browse, they're getting what they need from another food source. And, um, yeah, so, you know, yeah. So went and checked cams and, uh, my, my buddy Tyler texts me, uh, Friday about lunchtime because I was just doing evening hunts. Um, I didn't want to, booger anything up or you know i i had some places in mind that i wanted to go and and the place i hunt it's you know i said 450 acres but it's basically 80 percent woods mature timber big ridges mm-hmm. surrounded and the fields the only fields on me are overgrazed cow pastures i'm talking overgrazed yeah to the point of get the cows off or you're going to kill all your grass kind of thing <laughs> that had that had just been bush hogged like two days prior so the absolute opposite situation you want for for fields i mean because i didn't have any i didn't have any uh clover um i'm basically hunting a prairie grass that's covered in dead prairie grass 
covered by Thistle, um, you know, and, but when I, you know, um, but there is some ag across the road from me and stuff. And that's the thing. Like, I'm just keep honing into that. That's the food source. That's my food source, but I've got to figure out, you know, figure out the deer, you know, coming to that. So anyway, so buddy, uh, hollers at me Friday, you know, at lunchtime, he said, Hey, I went and checked the cam across the road, which is probably, I mean, it's, you know, 800 yards probably. I mean, we're talking, Ooh, um, probably close to a half mile from where I, uh, where I was getting pictures of buck. He said, I got a picture of, of that buck you're wanting to shoot blades. And he said, um, he's across the road. He's over here. He's over here this morning. Well, this is Friday morning. This is the first evening. I was going to go try to shoot that deer <laughs> and, and, and he's a half mile. And I know he's not, you know, I know he's not going to say, Oh, it's noon. I need to go back across the road. Yeah. You know, like he's over there for the day. Yeah. So, um, so I, so he's like, well, go sit here. I've been seeing some deer when I'm checking cows and, and that's the thing. He's, a, he's like my eyes for me when I'm, you know, and that's the thing. He doesn't have to do that stuff. Yeah. He didn't have to tell me my, the buck I was wanting to hunt was across the road, but that's, we work together. I mean, I show him every picture on my farm, on the farm we hunt just because, um, you know, like it's, you know, I want him to have the information he needs too. you know, like, and you, you know, whatever, you know, you talked to me about that. Um, before we started recording, you started, you talked about, you know, the importance of hunting with friends and having friends that you can trust and that, that trust you and how it can, you know, a lot of times be more beneficial than, than anything. Mm-hmm. And, you know, yeah. I think that's, I think that's incredible to have those kind of friends. Cause hunting a lot of times you, you even said it, it seems, it feels secretive a lot of times, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it's, you're worried about this and that and hey I, I can't tell anybody about this deer you know and you know i i haven't had to be that way i i have a lot more enjoyment when i can share a picture and say you know with my friends and say hey you know i'm man this is the deer i'm you know we, we can name i can let them name them and i'm hey i'm going after you know towers tonight or whatever and that's uh that's the name my buddy matt came up with one of the public ground deer we were hunting but uh and just, you know, it's, it's where they can be involved in the hunt, you know, with me and help me strategize, Hey, how do I do this? But, yeah. um, but yeah, but he told me about that. And, uh, so I went, he's like, go down here, you know, so I was like, okay. And then I talked to Matt and, uh, he, and I was like, well, I'm thinking about sitting in this tree. Well, I'd, he's like, no, I would sit here. And that, you know, that's just, you know, kind of thing like this is, you know, help you make an educated decision the best we can. I mean, they're deer, they're not. You know, not you know, they're not really easy to pattern, but uh, right. you can somewhat. So, um, I sat there, didn't see the nine pointer because that was the buck I was hunting because my other buck was across the road. And when I was walking in, I walked beside a fence row, uh, uh, big fixed fence row red oak, and I looked down and I saw two little bitty green red oak acres. Hmm. And I mean, this is, I mean, I never do any scouting other than glassing and running trail cans in August. Like, why would I be out there wanting to get out the picks if I don't have to? Right. And, and I was like, I know exactly where I'm going tomorrow. So 
I didn't have, you know, I didn't didn't see any shooters or didn't see my nine pointer, so I left out and I was like, I said, you know, I just told myself, I said, look, even though that buck was over there, over across the road, a half mile away from me, I'm going. I know where exactly where I'm hunting because I have this. There's this place, and we call it the the cut through, and it's really not a bottleneck because the deer actually prefer to cross open pastures at night um, than to go, you know, walk beside houses and stuff. So it, it kind of looks like a bottleneck, but it's not one because they don't want to walk. They actually come up through there and then they go across the big pastures. But anyway, and uh, there is some, uh, this place, the place that I'm hunting was logged pretty hard uh, about 10 years ago, but there were a lot of home place oaks in this, in the cut through and the cut through is literally 150 yards off the road. I mean, my trees, like, I can see every truck that goes by. I can tell who's driving it, kind of thing. And I'm surrounded by, my fields are overgrazed pasture. And, like, I mean, it's bad. <laughs> but I but I knew that, I know the trees that are in there, you know, like, okay, you know, just keep in mind. And I'm really, I'm only probably 250 yards away from where I was getting pictures of blades. But this was seven days ago, but I'm still like, okay, if he changed, why wouldn't he become, why wouldn't he want to come up through here and get some acorns? Because now he's eating acorns. Mm-hmm. That's just, that's, that's what I've told myself. I found two acorns under that one tree. There's going to be some acorns somewhere. So, well, uh, so I, I went there, you know, it's 92 degrees when I'm walking in. I used to, and even I parked in a different area than I normally park. I was like, this guy, I mean, try to be as strategic as possible because I know that if he's there, he's going to be bedded within 40 yards of me. So, so, so let me ask you, yeah. let me ask you this before we get into that. How was, how was that deer activity as a whole? You know, obviously we know the ending of the story that you were successful, but you know, this time of the year is kind of crazy. How was it, you know, even when you weren't seeing the deer you wanted to kill, were you still seeing deer? So it's opposite of what, this is just a small snapshot, obviously. Um, but it's opposite of what what is comfortable to us. So this is just a perception that uh, me and Matt, and that's what I'm saying, I keep referring to my friends because that's who I talk to about this stuff. But me and Matt were talking about it, and uh, he's, you know, he's, you know, that, that Friday was awesome. It was like 75 degrees, overcast, good breeze the whole time. Um, you know, it was fabulous i mean it was, mm-hmm. it was it's what you think of as a, like an early october evening i mean it yeah. was awesome and we're talking and he's like yeah i don't think we're going to see anything tonight and because we feel like and i don't have any data to back this up i'm sure the study is done but i you know with with the real cool because that morning is like mid 50s those deer loiter around so much and they're not in any rush to get back to it's not like ah son you know it's 75 80 i need to go lay down yeah so they they you know they're they take their time they you know go where you know they may get to their bedding area or bedroom at the same time but they're loitering around feeding browsing you know and they may get up more during the day because it's not as hot it's overcast it's comfortable but they're staying in their area their safe zone but they're just getting up you know and doing their thing and that evening movement was basically non-existent for everyone that I talked to 
and um, talking to some good hunters and some guys that had deer on and a lot of good deer on camera. And as far as far as mature buck movement, like it was just non-existent. I mean, it didn't happen. Hmm. And we were talking about it, and this is our kind of our little thought was that when you had that that blazingly hot day, sun beating down, that deer's conserving water, not wanting to be at hot, trying to stay in the shade. And when it starts to cool off, that movement is more deliberate. It's, it's, it's a switch and they're, you know, they're going to move. Mm-hmm. I mean, they're, and that's the thing, like everything's going to move at one time because they haven't been moving. And, uh, so, and that, and that's kind of like, you know, what we were talking about, I and mean, he's always said it. I mean, he's a you know, sunny day. He's jacked up about hunting overcast day when it's comfortable and it's, everybody's in a good mood and stuff. He's just like, I'm not going to see anything. And, and it's, it, it's keeps showing itself to be true because that even and it was 90, I mean, it was 92 when we're going in. And I mean, I took a, I never take selfies. I don't do it, but I did just mess with the guys and stuff on Snapchat. And, uh, I took a selfie and it was almost six o'clock and it was 89 degrees. And, uh, yeah. And I'm like, oh, you know, and I'm sweating and it's just, oh, it's terrible. And, uh, I ended up shooting a buck 30 minutes later. That's great. Um, yeah. So, so you went in, I kind of interrupted you a little bit. Um, that's fine. I'm, I'm a ramble on if you don't stop me. Oh yeah. That's, that's great. I interrupted you a little bit. You were talking about, you know, kind of your your whole your whole move going to where you were where you were going um but you you found the those those acorns there and kind of just changed your game plan yeah so and this goes back to the history of the farm you know it's it's not i think we you know even though i'm going all these details and like i'm putting all these cans out and all this stuff you use your head think about what you've experienced in the past, because there's all these transitions. So, you know, it's just constant transition, transition, you know, just changing from this food, to this food. And that's a spot early season, like opening weekend, which is always, you know, you know, end of September in Tennessee, end of September through early October. I can always, I always see a lot of deer up there because there's the, the, the acre trees. I mean, the oak trees are so, you know, they're huge and they're always loaded and, that's if I have oaks in only one place, it's going to be where they're at. So mm-hmm. I knew that, like if if I have anything dropping, I'm going to have something dropping there. And, and so it just went back to the history of that farm and saying, "Look, this buck that I want to shoot was living here all summer, and this is a place deer like to hang out." And because I didn't have any trail cameras or anything running in this spot. I stayed out of the spot because it's one of my hunting spots. I don't want to go in there and run stuff and send it up over and over. Because basically, it's a when I go in there, it's a virgin sit. I haven't been in there. Yeah. So, and that's and that's something we all value immensely. You know, my whole group is the virgin sit. You don't you want to sit in the first time is when your best chance. You know. Yep. I always say uh, first time, best time. Yeah, first time's best time, and and I felt like that this was my best chance, you know, and, uh, and that's, and that's what ended up happening, you know, like, and I, I have, there is zero doubt in my mind that even if I had a can down, you know, 250 yards from where I was getting pictures of him all, all summer up until that you know, week before, 
that deer didn't walk by that spot. I could have been sitting right over that mineral, and he would. Ne- I've never seen him because he he didn't have he didn't have a reason to be up there. He was getting whatever he needed from the from those uh, acorns right there that he knew that did that just started falling. Mm-hmm. So I mean that's and that's you know then that's kind of the the you know it's kind of the process of of just learning a place. You you got to you know if you got to write it down or remember. Just remember where you like to see deer. I mean, you can't hunt. You're not going to kill deer if there aren't deer there. Mm-hmm. So, you you know, just remember where you see deer, even if it's walking out, like on public and stuff we do a lot of times. If, if we're walking out and we see a big deer, like middle of the day in somewhere, you best believe we're making a note of what time of year or somebody's going to be sitting there. <laughs> yeah. And that's just because, I mean, you, you have to remember that stuff. It's just, you know, because these where the 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 feeding patterns all the stuff changes they repeat themselves though every year they go through the same stuff so mm-hmm. it's, you know that's kind of what what we were driving at so and that's kind of that's kind of what we do here with our trail cameras is basically just setting up trail cameras and not touching them until pretty much till deer season is over to use them as intel for the next year you know you've got to you've got to do that because mm-hmm. that, that's the best that's your best chance of being able to go in like you're talking about on a first sit best sit especially on public land where you know we're scouting new areas every spring and summer you know one year we may not be hunting the same areas that we hunted the year before that um but a good solid way to tell if you're in a good area is you know just use trail camera intel that you have from the previous season exactly you go off those dates yeah, those specific dates. You know, if if it's not if you don't have a high deer population in the area, but you're getting with your deer, you know, if you got him on the 14th of November, hunt each day and including, but hunt three days in a row right there. Yeah, because I mean, and know that hey, I am going off something. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, like, yeah, you know, and that's kind of that's and that's what we're doing with. I don't check any cams during there's during the rut. I mean, I really yeah. don't. I mean. Because everything's so crazy, you need to, you're, you know, you're wasting valuable hunting time during that moment, you know. And I, and I like I said, like I told you earlier, I, I don't, I don't think I'm a great bow hunter. Like I don't like I, I hunt a lot, and I shoot deer, and you know, I enjoy the heck out of it. But I've not, I have made nowhere close to mastering this thing because I'm just overdoing it and getting some success out of it you know yeah um and you know what i'm saying so i'm right yeah, there with but, you but i did the same thing yeah i ran i had like 15 cams out that i pulled uh after gun season and closed you know here i mean i even let them run during deer season gun season and and see i hang all my cams 10 12 foot off the ground and it's it's kind of that's another process but, uh-huh. uh but uh and and I did that as much to see how many hunters I saw, and that was one area that was uh, we hunted. We called it Oz. Um, me and my buddy uh, Cece, we we really enjoyed the heck out of hunting the place. I mean, it's neat. I mean, we had to access it by boat, and you know, it was super thick in areas and difficult to get into. You're talking. And, uh, you're talking my kind of stuff right now. That's, yeah. that's pretty much yeah. all I do is kayak access. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. That's what we, we were in our packs. I'll send you some pictures later, but um, Dude, that's awesome. but we, we had, a, but we go in there and, um, I ended up, 
it was the day before gun season and I kind of, I didn't hit my end, but I had buck tags in Tennessee and everybody was done traveling up to hunt with me. And it, it's such a big process hunting the way I want to hunt up here anyway. Mm-hmm. Uh, we, we, we team hunt, you know, like I told you earlier, we, you know, it's the, kind of like the term we use. I did, I knew I wasn't, that was, that was going to be my last two raw. So, um, I ended up killing a, killing a 10 pointer on public ground walking out. Oh, wow. Um, I, cool. he just was walk, walking through. I, I'd walked a bunch of, I'd walked there big, bigger than him, but he's a nice deer and I really couldn't tell what he was, you know, but I just said, Oh man, Tim, you know, and I shot him. <laughs> so I ended that's, up taking him out by the boat, but, uh, that's cool. but we, uh, you know, it's, it's cool. You know, it's a cool story and I got me out of it and everything, but, uh, but the, uh, but anyway, yeah, we, we, we do that. And, and it's, I don't even know how I got to talking about that. Oh, yeah, the Intel, but yeah, and you pull all the cams and I pulled cams on Oz, which is the hardest place for us to get to. And it's nasty and just few trees and just all the stuff. I had 13 hunters on my camera. <laughs> 13. That'll make your and stomach all, drop on every, it. Every, every day. I mean, I had a guy, and the thing is, I had, uh, there's two scenarios that were just, and it just summed up the whole thing, you know. I had, there was one picture that had four guys standing there, and they're right directly like center frame of this camera. <laughs> How in the heck they didn't see it, I have no idea. And now it's just, it's just, and this one even has probably eight foot off the ground, looking right at him. And I can see them looking at their phones, talking about this deer drive they're doing, right? And they're all in orange. They got the guns and everything. And they're pointing this and that. I mean, I've got a bunch of pictures of them talking. <laughs> and they, and they, uh, and and then the next photo I get is a guy dragging a doe by my camera. <laughs> so I'm like, man, I was like, I have, I am never going back there and. CC's mad at me. He's like, you're going with me because he really likes the place. And I'm like, man, I was like, I'm not going back there. But but that's but that's just he keeps me. See that that in itself, you know, I I, you know, I didn't have any fear of my losing my cam fall off the cam. I know there's so much pressure anyway. You know, somebody took it. But uh, but in that scenario, I knew there's absolutely no way I'm going back there. Yeah. Because it's not secluded. It's you know it's not hard to get to. It's you know, these guys are coming in on boat and they're just hammering it. And it's not a place I want to be. Um, but, but it's just, I don't know. Like it's, it's funny. Like we, it's just, but, but, and then there's other places that I hung cams on pinches and stuff. And it, if I, if you want me to get back to the velvet, I can aim to the point, but oh, you're getting there's it. other places that I put, you know, we put cams on the heads of these big drains that we found and they, they, the cams were like, 25 yards off the road. I mean, they're not far. And some of them are by hiking trails and stuff like that. And never see another hunter. Ever. Wow. And it's like a major pinch point. Like, I mean, I'm getting mature bucks after mature buck on these places. Not a huge deer density, what have you, but there's no hunters. Yeah. So you know that you've got a shot, you know, if you're not getting pressure. Um, but... So but anyway, yeah, that's, I mean, that's things I learned from it. You know, this is yeah. the easiest thing to drive right up to it versus boating in a mile and a half, <laughs> you know, like, why am I, you know, and that's it. But you, you have to like 
have the information and I didn't have any information until I pulled the cans and I really enjoyed doing that. Yeah. So, so uh, let's get back to the, to this velvet hunt. Um, you talked about, we were talking about, you know, the ability to be flexible and have Intel on your property and kind of know how the deer react on your property. So are you running like a mobile kind of a running gun, running gun setup for this to be able to kind of change your plan last minute? Um, or was this an area that you already had a stand hung? I do 100% of my hunting out of my API climber. Okay. 100%. Um, we now, Tennessee, I've neglected this farm. Like I say neglected, but like I haven't went through in my sets and cut lanes. And that was a, that was almost a problem with this hunt. Um, but you know, yeah, we just, I just, cause I want to be mobile. I want to be, we pack in and we go, you know, mm-hmm. I, I haven't had an issue. I haven't had an issue hunting in Southern Indiana, Kentucky, Tennessee, Ohio with using my climber. Um, so that's, and that's, yeah. So I, yes, I'm totally mobile where I go is a lot of times when I get to the place, I figure out where I'm going. And I just, I mean, there are, some places that I have hunted out of walk-ons before, but I do not have any permanent stands hung okay. anywhere. So pretty interesting. You're the, this is going to be two podcasts in a row where the person that we were talking to hunts out of an API climber. So yeah, that's a, that's a pretty cool, pretty cool. And little it's pattern. an older one too. It's okay. an older one too. So, okay. So. so, so you're, you're already basically running a mobile setup. Um, did you have kind of an idea of where, you know, you thought the tree that was going to be, have the most acorns dropping was, or did you go back to the tree that you, that you had seen them the day before? Um, it's, I climb the same tree every time I hunt this spot. Okay. It's a look, the, the, all of the, all of the oaks are in a little bitty drain. That's the only reason they're there is because it wasn't farmed. Okay. And it and it, it can't it's too it was too steep to um I'd say get keep maintained and that's and so it's it's all and it's there's there was an old fence through there. There's not a fence there anymore, but that's the thing, it's just old home place oaks and it's just a line of them. And I mean it's wide open underneath too. I mean it's the cows work it, I mean it's bare dirt. <laughs> you know, so it's uh but yeah, that's uh, the answer to your question. Yeah, I, I climbed the same tree. I mean, it's a, it's a one. Of the, it's a tree Matt picked out. And he, you know, um, you know, Matt knows what he's doing, tree. buddy. <laughs> yeah, that's what I'm saying. Like I don't, you know, and that's and I lean on a lot of my friends, you know, for stuff. And but that's just one of the things. I, I don't like having. To, I don't want to have to make that decision if I don't have to. I, you know, now to, you know, or I like to use Intel or like, hey, this is what we figured out, you know, because I've said, I've said in the inside corner or up against the block of woods, you know, off that little finger. And I've had deer walk through the middle of the finger and I could shoot them or walk around it and I couldn't shoot them. And that's the thing, like, that was the best tree that we knew of, you know, that yeah. we found um, for the, for all, you know, kind of a general tree, but. Um, it was a specific tree though. Um, yeah, it's definitely been climbed a few times. So you got, so you get, you get to your spot. You you knew where your spot was going to be at. Um, what about what time were you going in? You know, with this hot weather, what time were you starting starting your hunt? 
So uh, uh, Friday, I got everybody, everybody, and and their mama was in the stand at four o'clock because um, it was nice. Uh, but Saturday, I actually got climbed up about five. Yeah, about five o'clock. Okay. Is when I got got climbed up and it was about ninety two degrees. <laughs> <laughs> but oh, fortunately, man. I didn't have to cut any limbs or anything. But but it was still tough. Um, Thermocell rolling the whole deal. Yeah, you uh, need it. Definitely need it. Yeah. That time of year. Mm-hmm. So you get climbed up about about five o'clock. How about how long did it take for the deer to start kind of coming through there? Um. Uh, I took, uh, uh, like, uh, I'd say 6 o'clock, uh, okay. I, and see, I couldn't hear anything. I couldn't, like, hear anything because it's all, you know, there's no leaves on the ground. Everything's yeah. dry and just, you know, the only thing I could hear, there's they, they were crossing, they were crossing right at the base of my little line of timber where it meant the big block. Um, they were crossing the fence right there, so I'd hear them jump the fence. And then I would see legs because the canopy is so thick. I, I mean, literally, I had there were there were like five shooting lanes I needed to cut on the spot, and I got really lucky in the end. But I could see legs, so I, you know, I kneel down and like sit down on my platform basically and throw my glasses on them. And then yeah, it was a doe and a spike came through first, and then but where they came through there was one hole that they walked by it was along the fence because it, it just envisioned this finger connects to the woods but there uh, the woods block actually has a fence running along it you know to keep the cattle out of the woods okay so i'm in the cattle i'm in the pasture i mean like i'm in the pasture so they're having to come jump the fence to get into this overgrazed pasture to to get to me but I, i'm there for the acorns but anyway there was uh, there was one hole that I found that I, they walked through, so I arranged it, it's 45 yards. So I actually set my uh, my slider for 45 hmm. in anticipation of because I was like, if he comes through there, I'm drawing and I'm shooting him right there. Mm-hmm. Like that's it. Like because I was like, because I'm gonna have one opportunity, then he's gonna be in the field, and I ain't gonna have an opportunity. Well, then uh, 30 minutes later, you know, about 6:30. Uh, I hear deer jump the fence, so I jump up. You know, I'm like, I'm up, real, you know, I'm ready <laughs> and I'm ready to draw on that hole. And I see legs kind of coming to me a little bit, so I was like, okay, so I put bow down, put it back down to twenty. Look, and it's uh, it's there were two bucks that were running with blades. Um, they were they're younger. They were a little bit younger than him. I mean, at least a year younger than him. Uh, you know, I'm, I'm gonna call them three. I don't know how they are, but. Um, one of them had a broke uh, main beam on him. He'd snapped it. I don't know when he snapped it, but he'd already wow. snapped it. And, uh, and, that, and that's the first one I saw first. And I'm like, okay, it's going down because I know Blades is with him. Like, I just knew it. So <laughs> I looked at him, then I hear another dude jump since look at the other 10 pointer. I was like, Blades is behind him. I know he's behind him. So the, the two little 10s are kind of coming up to me, and I'm getting a little nervous. I'm like, I can't shoot them. Like, um, outside of 17 yards their direction, I had zero shots. I could see legs. I'd see a head or something. I like literally no shots. Like I had no holes in anything, anything. I had to get them out in the field or they'd have to walk past me or to the 17 yards. Well, the two 10 pointers walked up and I actually had no shot at them ever. They came in about 25 
ease their way out into the field. And I, and then they then I had holes, you know, for them out out there, but they never walked through. I was wasn't concerned where they went anyway. And then I heard uh, when they got about twenty five yards, I heard another deer jump the fence, and I looked, and I can tell it was him. Um, so you know, what ended up happening to him? He took a different route, obviously. You know, the shooter always does. Yeah, <laughs> he walked straight to me. I mean, I'm talking like it took him two minutes, and I was shaking by the time he got up there. But he walked a straight line to me, eating some kind. Of, I don't even know what kind of weed this was. It's one of them just weeds that grows out in cow pastures. You know that nothing eats. You know because mm-hmm. cows don't eat it. And he's nibbling on stuff. I'm like, this is the craziest food I did. Then I see him pick up a few acorns. And I'm like, yep, he's doing what I thought he'd be doing. And he got to about 10 yards, but he was facing me. And, and I'm like, okay, I'm not, I'm not, not, I can't take this one, you know, and I'm just waiting. And then he actually uh, made a little turn. And then um, I could not see, actually, I couldn't see the top half of his uh, vitals like mid body, like I had a cedar limb going across it and then it was all limbs. So I actually had to, I drew and knelt down and then, uh, slipped an arrow under the limb wow. on him. And then, um, yeah. So, um, you, I, I don't know if you, I mean, I guess there's really anything else I can tell you other than, uh, the, uh, when I got down, uh, I waited a while and I watched it. The show looked great. You know, all the deer run off. Well, I can't see where they go. They just kind of went back the direction they came from. And uh, I'm talking to everybody. I'm calling people. And, you know, then we're talking. And I'm like, because it's still early. It's 630, you know. And uh, and we uh, we talked about it. And I was like, I'm going to wait 30 minutes. And then, because I'm going to see if any of those that come back, see if he's with them, you know, whatever, you know, things yeah. happen. And uh, didn't see anything else. So I calmed down every time he was quiet. And uh, we down to look at my arrow. And it's stomach matter. Mm. Just, um, I'm talking the cleanest, worst looking arrow, other than, <laughs> you know, which I'd rather have a clean miss than a uh, wound, but no blood, like literally no blood at this impact site. And I didn't, I just walked up to it and looked at it. And I pulled it out of the ground, smelled it, and I stuck it straight back in the ground. I didn't even take a step past that. I looked around a little bit, but I didn't go past it. And I went back and I called everybody and, uh, we talked about, you know, some things and, um, what I ended up doing, I just took all, took all my stuff down and I walked straight out. I mean, I'll as straight to the truck as I could decided to come back. Um, and I, it's the, what I saw was a double long shot. And I know he's quartered to me just a touch, but the double, I mean, it looked like a double long when I shot him. And mm-hmm. I was like, well, I was like, how could this be anything else? You know, but, um, and I, I, to be honest with you, I got very nervous because I knew, you know, you don't leave them overnight, you know, everything's done, yeah. you know, you're losing that animal. And so, um, called Matt and we, you know, well, Matt was talking to me, he's like, we need to wait, you know, he's like, I can go. And I was like, man, I'm nervous about, I was like, and cause I, I liked for it to be a team event, you know, everybody come that wants to come and mm-hmm. enjoy it. And, uh, but I was like, man, I'm I'm not even taking a light. I said, I'm gonna take my bow and I'm gonna walk behind you the whole time. And that way, you know, you know, you know, like, you know, I'm not saying I'm gonna shoot him, but I'm just saying, like, like, you know, if, if we can, you know, if we need to go back in the morning and what. And he's like, well, he's like, um, 
he's like, well, what we can do is we can, we can go check it out and see, look for 80 yards. And if we see, you know, you know, if we find either we're going to find him or we're not, you know, mm-hmm. and uh, I was like, I agree, you know, like, um, you know, and, but I, I was like, I don't want to mess you up cause there's no blood, you know, and I, and I don't want to be kicking around stuff. So he's like, I'll just take the light and I'll say, I'll just walk with you. So I walked with him and my dad ended up feeling like going and, um, he, with, you know, uh, with kidney stones. <laughs> yeah. He's got kidney stones. Feels like crap. And so we went and, uh, we couldn't find out, find where he crossed the fence. And Matt, mean, meanwhile, Matt's the only one's got a light and, you know, I'm just, me and dad are just walking around with him kind of thing. And, uh, find, you know, one area where he t- stopped in the field and turned around and looked at me. You could tell what, you know, where I, where the injury was. And then the, uh, the end of was a little bit of stomach matter, acorns. I mean, full eight, little bitty pieces of acorn. It was crazy. And, uh, wow. uh, yeah. And so we, uh, we ended up going, uh, like we, we lost some blood in the field. And we walked back up the fence, jumped the fence, looked looked down the fence, and we could not find any blood where he crossed the fence or anything. And we got to the end point, you know, kind of like down this field, kind of does a little little low spot where they cross a lot. We went down it, nothing. And he made a comment. He said, you know, he said, I wonder if he followed the bucks across the field. And and I'm like, I have no idea. And we're just start walking, so it's light up, and there he is laying there. Wow. He didn't make it out of the field, and he was he was closer to me when I was walking out than he was when I was in my tree. Like I mean, I walked right by him, but the field has enough roll to it. He was hidden, and I was I'm so angle about just not bump. You know how do I know he yeah. didn't lay down on the other side of the fence and then I bump him and then he's gone. Yeah, know? yeah, that makes and perfect so the, sense. Yeah. So, so, but he was there, and we were we rejoiced, and everybody was jacked up, and um, you know, it was a really good moment. It was cool. My dad, you know, just man, I'm so glad I went, and I, I'm glad you went. You know, like I'm, yeah, because it's and without him, I, you know, I wouldn't be doing any of this stuff, and um, I wouldn't have his place to hunt. So it's, you know, it's it's cool. That's he was able to be involved. That's a really cool thing, and it sounds like a pretty pretty cool opportunity to be able to do that in Tennessee. Um, man, I, I hope they keep doing it, man. That's, that's really mm-hmm. neat. So, so do you have any, uh, do you have any plans for the rest of the season? What are your, what do your plans look like? So, um, like I said, I, I pulled all my cans out of there because it's September 23rd before I'm hunting again. And I've got, uh, oh yeah. So I'm not, I don't really, I'm not hunting Kentucky this year. So it frees me up a lot in September. We'll, so guess who's pulling cards and getting the last of the, huh. you know, I'm pulling cans. I'm actually pulling cans that I've had out since June. Oh, wow. I haven't, I don't have any idea what's on them. It takes them into that. It's a mile and a half to get to a lot of them. You know, like I, yeah. I put them out and I leave them, you know? Mm-hmm. And, uh, so that's, that's what we're doing. I'm, I'm pulling and, um, pulling cans. I think I, I collectively, I, you know, have about 30 to check and, uh, and they're all over the place. And what I do is I'm going to physically pull all of them. I'm not just switching out cards. I'll pull the whole can because, mm-hmm. you know, yeah, I could take an iPad in there and look, look, look. But I've missed deer before by doing that. 
Mm-hmm. So I just pull them. I just pull the whole thing, and then that way I've got all my inventory. I've got you know thirty cans, you know whatever, you know, in a pile. And then I go through and I I'm gonna figure out which two places I want to saturate again and figure out how you know where what am I gonna do to try to figure out you know find that deer because. Whatever I've been doing in the past, I mean, I've shot, I shoot deer. I mean, I, I kill deer in the rut and stuff, and that's not a problem, you know. I don't, I've never killed a big deer. I, you know, you asked about goal. Here's a goal for you. I'd love to shoot a 150. Yeah. Never, I've never shot a 150. I mean, I don't know anybody that doesn't want to shoot 150 unless they're shooting 170s. But, you know, that's, you know, that's kind of my focus this year. Like, okay, I am going to target two main spots. You know, based off of the data I get, hey, this is the best opportunities, and I'm I'm really not gonna be hunting a lot early season. I'm not hunting any blind. If I if I get a deer on during daylight, you know, some kind of pattern or just in the area during daylight, absolutely I'll go in there hunting. But I you you bet that I'll be checking cans and checking cans on the other places. And doing and doing a lot more, you know. And when I say scouting, doing a lot more cam work, because I, I don't really think I have. I don't feel like I have a lot of talent scouting wise. And you know, I can tell what a rub is, and I can tell what a scrape is, but I don't. I, you know, just terrain features and and knowing, hey, this is where that buck's bedding. I don't know that stuff. Mm-hmm. You know, I haven't. I, I you know, Dan Fault and all those guys that that know all that stuff. Yeah, I mean, I um, you know, that's great, but. I'm going to, I'm going to avoid that weakness that I have and just use my cams. I'm not, what's better than a pitcher, you know, like, mm-hmm. I mean, yeah, there are a lot of things, but like, that's what I, that's what I can bring to the table. I can oversaturate it and try to get an idea of what kind of man, that's what helped me here, you know, so just stick with what's working, you know? Yeah. And, uh, uh, but yeah, that's, that's the plan. You know, that, and like I said, 95% of what I'm doing is on public. And, you know, to be honest with you, and I could probably run five cams, find a buck I want to shoot and shoot one. But this stuff's for my friends, too. Mm-hmm. I want to have I – w- I don't want them to go into an area that has got a lot of pressure or, you know, that's void of shooters. Now, th- w- yeah, we definitely hunt blind sometimes during the rut. I mean, I don't say we don't, but um, just like every other time we go, even if we have intel – we go in as a team because mm-hmm. what it does, it speeds up your, your learning curve. I mean, you, you straight line that learning curve quickly. I mean, you get three sets of eyes on the place. You know, we'll figure out our entry like, hey, this is our leap and pass entry that we can take. We'll walk the same path. Yeah. And then, you, you know, if you're all sitting on toes or ridges or whatever the plan is, you go in, you sit there. Hey, is it worth coming back or not? Yes, it is. Okay, put out cam. Everybody put out a cam on scrape you found, and then we come out, and then we'll go back, you know, in a day or two or whatever, or whenever we decide to go back there. And um, but that's you know, it's 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 the team environment that we get. I mean, I just that's why I actually I like that as much as shooting the deer. Yeah, no doubt in my mind because I get some kind of, some sense of ownership out of when my friends harvest deer, you know, when, you know when we you know when we're in there together, yeah. I, you know, like 
one I shot uh, two years ago was a place we call Backbone. It was our first time ever going in there. We had a lot of bad luck. I mean, we were going places. We went to places that that had been bulletproof in the past, and there were three trucks there. You know, I'm like, <laughs> you know. So we we go to this place we call Backbone. We found, and uh, it's funny because there was three of us in there, and uh, it was me, VT, and CC. And CC actually saw the deer that I ended up killing that night. It was the first time we'd ever went in there and went in there in the afternoon, just having a good time. And, uh, we all saw shooters at night and, and I actually called that buck up to me. I had a, you know, that's a scenario where I had a button that he just ran out of the thicket. Right. You know, he, he probably, uh, hit him with his antlers or something, you know, and, mm-hmm. uh, button was scared of him. He ran underneath me and stood. I don't know if you know, I was there like, Hey, protect me. But he stood. Well, Buck walks down Ridge, goes off, and the you know starts get down there, and I finally see what he is, and I grunt at him, and Cece told me he was coming this way. Well, he turns around and he sees Button standing there. He I guess he forgot that he ran the Button Buck out of the, the, the ticket, <laughs> so he turns around, comes right right up to me, and then I I ended up getting him. But um, but yeah, just you know, and everybody got to sharing that. I mean, like uh, you know, they, you know, whether if you hear me shoot or um, you know, if we see the same deer and, you know, like, I mean, we've done a lot of hunting together. I mean, just for instance, like Matt, I mean, of course, I know I brought his name up a bunch of times. He always, you know, he's, if somebody's going to kill one, it's going to be him. It doesn't surprise anybody anymore. It's, mm-hmm. you know, it's, it's not that, you know, we're not excited for him and happy for him. It's just like, well, that makes sense. You know, like, yeah. you know, it's kind of one of those things. I'm high five and stuff, but we, <laughs> Hey, uh, I would, he actually, I would do anything to be that guy in my group of friends. He's that guy. <laughs> he's not even. He's and, not even know, upset about it either. I guarantee it. No, no, no. He's proud. <laughs> he's proud, and he'll tell you. But, th- but that's just. I mean, but it's just a. It's just a fact. I mean, until something changes, that's the way it is. And yeah. uh, so, so we went in and like, like for instance, we'd been hunting for a week and a half, hardcore. Like I had uh, seven different guys up, just wow. different time periods. Well, everybody went back home. Well, then Matt, you know, Matt was like, "Okay, I'm ready to come up." He came up. He got up on a uh, late Wednesday night. There was a place that me and him were, were reserving to go that we wanted to go, and so I went. We we went, and then I went my way. He went his way. Um, I sat in the wrong tree. I should have asked him what tree to sit in because if I sat in that tree, I would have <laughs> killed the biggest deer of my life. Now this is a true story. This was true. He climbs up in an area that he found whatever that he wanted to go sit in, shoots a six by six twelve pointer. He had been in Indiana for like an hour and a half. I've been hunting in Indiana for like an hour, hour and a half. Shoots six by six twelve pointer, biggest buck we've killed up here. Period, on public land. Wow. And uh, yeah, and 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 you know, and then he hunted with me. He actually took a couple of days off from hunting a rut to hunt with me for a few days. So it was pretty cool. I mean, he just sat with me. He didn't wasn't filming, wasn't doing anything crazy. Just just to sit with me, enjoy it, you know. Um, but uh, but we uh, uh, we had you know. But that's just but that's just that's one of like hundreds of stories I can tell you um, about stuff like that. But yeah, we um, we we have a it's a it's a really good environment when everybody comes up to hunt in Indiana, um, yeah. and. And it's, you know, 
as much to do with it as anything is my wife's so understanding and she's she loves having everybody up anyway. And we bought a house that's better than our original. We used to have a 900 square foot condo. Everybody would come and people sleep on floors. So now everybody's got their own bed. So it works out really well. But um, yeah, the, but it's it, and the, the public ground. It's just and this I don't know if I said this earlier, but it's to, it takes us five places to find one good one, and we will revisit you know some of the places that we were disappointed in that weren't good we do revisit them and some of our good places turn into bad ones <laughs> so it's 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 a struggle but um but we definitely uh get after it um and just kind of to go off of the just the friend thing and that camaraderie and stuff we started that whole group including myself we started a like just kind of a hunt little hunting page on facebook you know we started one uh like six years ago, seven years ago. And we did it just to have a collective of all of our hunting pictures because we were shooting some pretty good deer, you know, like killing some some good bow kills and stuff and turkeys and everything else. And we did it as a collective. Well, you know, we weren't trying to get a TV show or anything. We just wanted a place we could go and show everybody our what our friends killed and stuff. And uh, so... And so we started this, uh, we started actually started this bow hunting league in 2015, just people that we knew like, Hey, get your, we're going to build teams and you build your own team and we do points and this and that. And it's just for fun, you know, but it's just more camaraderie, you know, and it has grown by 30% every year. (laughs) It's, it's one of my favorite things to do because I used to do fantasy baseball and keep yeah. up with that and keep track and stuff. Well, I'm, I, I don't I don't play college baseball anymore. You know, I'm I'm away from that. I'm away from college, you know, baseball team and stuff. So it's kind of some fun to keep track of and you know and get people motivated to do it. But we've got uh, we've got 52 teams in it this year. Wow! And that's yeah, awesome. And, you know the thing. Yeah, and we lose teams every year. I mean, people get into it and they're like, well, it's too serious or whatever. But it's it's not that serious because it's free. You know, like, right. but it's a camaraderie thing, and you kind of, you know, people banter back and forth a little bit, but it's 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 all in good good fun. So, do you win and, anything? Uh, like, is yeah, it like so, prizes? So the, yeah, so the only person that really has anything out in this whole scenario is me. I spend about hundred and twenty bucks a year on it. Okay. I guess I don't know. I probably I don't maybe that made the top this year, but uh, <laughs> so so everybody, yeah, there's stuff to win, and uh, we've got. Uh, We've got two mineral companies um, that are donating surprises. Um, one of them's Rack and Stack Deer Feed. Um, um, and, and it's one of the guys that hunts in the in the contest, Joey Loblin. Real super guy. He's got some good products and stuff. But he's he's do, he's uh, donated some stuff to the winning team. And I did a we did another category. It's uh, Bow Hunter of the Year this year. So it's the top scoring competitor. It's a really it's a pretty simple process. You know, scoring do you, you score you take your best buck of the year and you can upgrade as many times you you want uh, your best buck of the year. And then any other bonus deer is worth twenty five points. So your best best deer is the Boone and Crockett score gross score. And then um, your um, your any other deer, you know, it can be an upgraded buck, it can be a doe or whatever. It's twenty five, but it's three three man teams, and then it's the combined collective scores the winner. So, but yeah, I got medallions made up, and uh, so it's basically you know like a little trophy and stuff, and you know it's it's just for fun. I mean, it, but it's it's cool because you meet all kinds of people from all. I mean, we've got guys hunting, and we got guys hunting blacktails in California right now. We've got guys. Oh, wow. 
you know, obviously Velvet ten- Tennessee hunters, and most of our hunters are from Indiana or Tennessee because it's people I run into. Yeah. You know, that's the majority. That's probably 50%. But the other ones are from, you know, forums and stuff that I'm a part of, you know, just. Well, uh, hey, is it to, is it too late for people to join that? No. So uh, we, you know, this year is different, but we always, you know, I was like, look, if you're going to hunt Tennessee, you got to have your team in before you try to score a velvet buck because it's not fair to, you know, enter. And, you know, I found three big velvet bucks. I'm going to make my team. Oh, here they are, you know. <laughs> but. But, but uh, you know, no, it's not too late. Uh, we okay. actually have uh, – you can enter at the, um, by the end of August. You know, so September 1st is uh, when it – you know, clock hits midnight, September 1st. Yeah, that's uh, opener in shutdown. Kentucky and – Day of Kentucky. Yeah. Yep. And that's kind of like the start of the Midwest big whitetails. I mean, that's the thing, too. Uh, we included coo deer and uh, muleys and blacktails this year. Different scoring little modifications to the buck scores, but it's a pretty simple process. I mean, I've really, I've spent way too much time on it, like just diving into it and figuring out what's the easiest thing to track and the easiest thing to understand for somebody that just comes in and plays for sure, you know. That is that is so cool. I'm I'm gonna. You need to get you need to get a team together. I'm going to because because we yep. start. We're Thank you. Be- we're gonna be in Kentucky. Uh, three of my buddies are gonna be are being. We're gonna be in Kentucky the second, and we're gonna spend the whole week there hunting public in Kentucky. Fantastic. So, oh yeah. Um, we're coming up. We're about out of time. Uh, actually, I'm. You know, the more the more you talked, uh, the more I was like, man, I'm glad I got this guy on. Because um, it was kind of a cold call, you know. I just, I just uh, messaged you today and was like, "Dude, I want to talk about that buck." And you said, "Okay." And uh, yeah, man, it, it good. turned out to be great. I, I really do appreciate you hopping on the show, man. Yeah, man, it was great, great, great to meet you, man, um, Parker. I enjoyed it. I, I appreciate you having me on. Absolutely, man. Well, man, awesome. Good luck. On the rest of the season. Yeah, join your build your team. It's uh, if anybody wants to find it, it's uh, OS2 Bow Hunting League. Okay. Uh, and so they can, you know, the, you know, whatever. I'll, I'll I'll make sure I add you to the group, and you can great send people our way. Stuff. Yeah, but yeah, we cool. can we can post something about it on our on our page. So sounds cool. Thanks All for right, coming well, on. Good luck for the rest of the year. Don't be a stranger. Haul at me. Let me know if you're doing any good. All right, guys, thanks so much for listening to this episode of the Southern Ground Hunting Podcast. And huge shout out to Mr. Ben Harrison for hopping on last minute. Congratulations on an incredible buck, an incredible buck and a great story. And it feels so good that deer are actually hitting the ground now. It feels like we've been doing these podcasts um, and now they're finally starting to hit the ground. Like, this is cool. This is like the moments that we all wait for, you know, and... Uh, By the time you're listening to this, we will be in Kentucky. When you're listening to this, when this podcast drops, me and Michael and Tyler will be in Kentucky trying to do work on some deer. You guys, um, please go subscribe to our YouTube channel, the Sportsman's Nation Network YouTube channel. We're going to be posting videos every single day. So if you're listening to this right now, there are videos from our hunt in Kentucky, hopefully with some deer that are dead hopefully some great stories some fun moments huge shout out to our partners at new breed at go wild thanks for brett to brad for coming on remember guys to go and sign up tag us on go wild for your chance to win some cool stuff um 
and we're going to be doing that until the end of this month. So you guys go and do that right now. Tag me or Southern Ground at Southern Ground or at Parker McDonald on the Go Wild app. Um, trying to think. Tethered, thank you guys for making an awesome product. Can't wait to get my saddle. And Onyx. We are super pumped to be using Onyx. I'm using Onyx more than likely as we speak while you're listening to this. Because I'm out in the woods hunting. Actually, I'm sitting in my living room. But when you're listening to this, I will be out in the woods in Kentucky or on my kayak on a river trying to get to a spot. So um, thanks to Onyx for making that kind of stuff easy, as easy as as it can possibly be. You guys, remember God gave you dominion over the birds of the air, the fish of the sea, and the beasts of the earth. So remember to go out and exercise that dominion. Till next time, this has been Southern Ground. 